Hello and yokoso. Coming to you from Bentonko in Kyoto, Japan. This is Thomas. And this is Julianne. And you're listening to Japanese Food, a podcast where we talk to chefs, food writers, creatives, and other international experts on Japanese food culture. All right, let's dive in. Welcome back to the Japanese Food Podcast. We have a very special guest today, Chris Mahmood, a new member to the Bento and Co. team. Chris joined us recently, relocating to Kyoto from Akeshi Hokkaido, where he was living for six years. And he'll be taking over for me as the co host of this podcast in the near future. So we wanted to introduce you all to him. And in today's chat, we'll be learning about his experience living in rural Hokkaido and all about the local delicacies there. And then towards the end, the three of us will share some of our recent favorite food spots in Kyoto. So stay tuned for that. All right. Welcome, Chris. Welcome. Hello. Yay. Hello. Good morning. So happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. To kick things off. So. You moved to Kyoto in August. So it's been a couple months since mm-hmm. you've left. What food or drink are you missing from Hokkaido, if any, if anything? Can I do one of both? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'd say for food, by far, uh, the thing I'm missing the most is actually Seiko Mart, <laughs> our local convenience store chain in Hokkaido. Their prepared food is actually like really, really good. Like I would say it's about the same, if not a little better than a lot of like the chain、um, rice bowl places you get in the rest of Japan. So I miss a lot of their food. It's very tasty. I would get it a lot. And I also really miss Haskop flavored drinks. What's that? Haskop, it's a berry. It's、um, not quite like grape, but it's kind of in like a similar. Flavor. It's like a nice sweet berry that they use for all kinds of drinks up there. Okay.、Um, like flavored water, Ido Haas, as well as、mm. they even have like Haas Cop Sours and things like that at most restaurants or stores. Interesting. I looked up the English name. Apparently it's called Fly Honeysuckle.、Mm. Yes. And it looks kind of like a stretched out grape, I guess, or, or it's like a kumquat. It looks kind of odd. Uh, yeah, it's like very oblong, but it is super tasty. And one of those Hokkaido only things that you really only see up there.、Mm, I guess it's native to like cool, cool regions. So in Japan, probably only in Hokkaido, huh? Yeah. Akeshi is on the east part of Hokkaido, right? Yep. It's on the southeastern coast,、um, almost as far east as you can go in Japan. How many people are living there? Right now,、um, it's right around 9,000 people.、Um, okay. But it's been,、okay. yeah, it's been going down pretty steadily. I think there was maybe 11 or 12 when I first、oh, okay. moved there. So there's not, not so many foreigners, I guess. <laughs> no, not really. It was mostly、um, me, one other、uh, teacher, and folks from Southeast Asia who would help out in the fishing and farming industries.、Mm, let's see. And so, what kind of food is famous in Akashi? So, Akashi's like big, super famous number one thing is actually oysters.、Um, mm-hmm. They have a very specific type of oysters、uh, called, I believe it's Kakiemon, 
where they're just gigantic, like the size of your fist, just massive oysters. Wow. And Akeshi is also unique in that you can eat fresh oysters basically year long. Okay. And most other parts of Japan, like you can get oysters, but you're not getting, you know, fresh caught that day kind of oysters mm. because they're very seasonal. Um, but due to the climate up there, you can actually have them year round. The one other big thing, well, I guess the two other big things is the whole region is very famous for milk, dairy products. Um, okay. Hokkaido in general is really famous oh. for that. Mm-hmm. And Akeshi is no exception. And then last but not least is actually proper peated whiskey. Hey. Huh. Um, okay. Because I'm there not are... familiar with whiskey, so what does that mean? Proper, <laughs> proper um, so it's just it's like actual kind of it's like Scottish styled whiskey. Um, I'm yeah. not super knowledgeable on it myself, but basically, um, there is a lot of swampland, like wetlands. I guess would be the more proper way of saying it mm-hmm. in the area. So there's like plenty of peat bogs, and the climate conditions are actually very similar to. Like England, Scotland, UK, that kind of area. Mm -hmm. So they were able, they had a few guys from Scotland who actually came over and with the help of the town people have their own distillery making Akeshi whiskey and it is taken off. It is insanely popular. Okay. When was it? Uh, I believe they started operations in like the late 2010s, but... Mm -hmm. Given okay. you know whiskey requires aging, they weren't actually selling product until I had been there for a few years, so maybe right around 2020 or so. Okay, so so it's something new. Okay, yeah, yep, it's new and it's um very very popular. And even living in the town, it's extremely hard to get. Like it's mm. you have to apply for a lottery system in order to have the I privilege see. of buying a bottle, that kind of thing. So you're still like some independent whiskey industry in Hokkaido. It's not yep. all like Nika and Suntory. Nope. Uh, there, there are a few small ones like that. And the whole craft alcohol scene in Hokkaido is actually, it is doing very well. Um, almost any town you go to, there's some sort of local craft beer or shochu or gin or something along those lines. I see. Interesting. Yeah, Hokkaido is really like the land of milk and honey and booze. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really, it, it, absolutely is you can well, find everything delicious there <clears throat> very small tangent but the aforementioned seiko mart actually started off as a liquor store oh ah, okay <laughs> um which is it surprises some people because some of them kind of maintain some of those trappings so like is hokkaido okay i went into your convenience store and there was just like one of the three aisles was just all alcohol and it's like well yeah that's just that's kind of how they started off as so Oh, okay. And what type of, I, I wanted to hear more about what type of foods um, are available at Seiko Mark that you can't find at other convenience stores. Sure. Um, so the big one that I like a lot is you can actually just get full like katsudon, katsukuri, um, <laughs> like fresh made, as well as the Hokkaido variation of fried chicken called zangi. which is different from traditional japanese fried chicken and that it is actually pretty heavenly seasoned and marinated before they bread it and fry it okay um and it has its own texture and it's 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 different 
Um, there's also a lot of like it's kind of like every convenience store in Japan, the seasonal variations of things. Mm-hmm. But they're a lot different than the ones you find on the mainland. Like they'll be like Hokkaido Corn Fair, and they'll have like sweet corn flavored ice cream, mm-hmm. or um, like pastries featuring things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Or mint is another big one too. Like using local mint, they'll have like a mint fair, and it's like actual like strong minty flavor Ooh. sweets and things like that. Or um, like mint highballs uh-huh. and like specialty like canned drinks as well i'm looking at website now we have like some special hokkaido butter ice with azuki it looks delicious yes that sounds good butter and azuki is Mm. match made in heaven yeah it is (laughs) really good yeah and lots of azuki products um and things like that and they also actually sell like a lot of the regional ones will sell the regional specialties as well so, like, let's say um, if you're down near Hakodate, there's a, uh, I believe Nanai is famous for apples. So they'll have, like, candied apples or the sort of, like, little treats or omiyage you'd find around there actually for sale to convenience stores as well. Mm. How many Seiko Mouth you had in Akashi? Uh, we had three, I believe. Oh. Yep. Yeah, so we had three three Seiko Marts, and then for comparison, uh, we, the only other convenience store was two 7-Elevens. I see. Okay, interesting. Yep. <laughs> we talked we, we talk about Seiko Mart with uh, another guest on our podcast, right, Julian? Yes, Tim Anderson, who is an expert on Hokkaido foods and Hokkaido Konbini foods as well, so he's a great follow on Instagram. His Instagram stories are a lot of um, fun and really educational too about the local cuisine because he goes to Hokkaido quite a quite a bit it seems so oh. I'd recommend any listeners to follow him on Instagram and Definitely. he recently came out with a new cookbook ramen cookbook which looks really fantastic too nice so Chris in addition to Seiko Mart you are also very familiar with Michi no Eki in Hokkaido Yes. Uh, which are roadside stations, and you've done a road trip visiting all of the Michinoeki in Hokkaido, which is quite a feat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. Can you explain a bit um, what is Michinoeki and, um, yeah, just about your experience on that road trip? Sure. Um, so to start off, Michinoeki, uh, I mean, like the literal translation is, like you said, roadside station or road station. The, I guess the easiest way I would explain it is imagine like a truck stop or a rest stop, but it's actually made up to be a destination in and of itself. Mm. Um, and that most of them will have restaurants, are nice facilities, uh, information on local tourist attractions or local popular places, and marketplaces a lot of them have like grocery stores or farmers markets uh food trucks it's like a very common place for food trucks to gather Mm -hmm. and you can even do things like camp in your car there um yeah because some places have showers and even baths that you could take uh, yeah yeah um some of them actually even just are attached to onsens. Like, that's the whole thing. Like, oh, yes, it's the road station and it's an onsen. 
so you can go in and just have the whole experience. Um, they do. So what I ended up doing is you can buy a stamp book at any road station in Hokkaido for, I believe it's like 200 yen. And every road station has its own stamp somewhere in the building. So it's just kind of a fun little collection goal to see how many stamps you can get. Mm. But the other thing in the great like value of this book is it has all kinds of discounts for almost every road station. Mm. So it adds up very, very quickly. You're only paying, you know, 200 yen for this little book, but it's like, oh, you get 50 yen off ice cream at this one, or you get a free coffee if you get a meal at the restaurant at this road station, mm. or, you know, like 10% off your souvenir order at this road station. So it really is kind of um a good bang for your buck proposition as well. One of the things I enjoy about Michino Eki is that they will often have like a mini farmer's market there. So local farmers will sell their produce and you can, yeah, you can buy it directly from them. There's a lot of organic uh, vegetables, some interesting like local um, fruits or veggies that you can't easily find elsewhere. So was that also the case in the Hokkaido Michino Ekis as well? Oh, absolutely. Um, And that was, I guess, one of the harder parts about it is since I lived in such a remote place of Hokkaido, um, for a lot of the ones further afield, I would take very long trips. Like during the summer holidays, I would take maybe like a 10 to 12 day road trip to the far side of Hokkaido. Wow. And there would be all this great like produce or I really love... um, like interesting alcohol like they'll be like oh yes there's this like liqueur that's made from like this special cultivar of fruit that we only sell here and things like that so i'd be like oh i want to buy all of these nice things and i only have so much space in my car because i also need to bring you know stuff for 12 days um Mm -hmm. especially as i did a lot of solo camping and actual car camping as well so just Mm -hmm. sleeping in my car in the parking lot that kind of thing it's just such a different scale in Hokkaido, like traveling 12 days to uh, go, you know, you're still in the same prefecture that is pretty mind boggling for us here in Kyoto, which <laughs> feels so compact and tiny yeah. in comparison. Well, it's just I the scale. It's so funny, too, since moving here, like friends will be like, oh, um, we're going to miss the last train. Like, is everyone OK? And I'm like, yeah, I'll just walk home. They're like, that's like an hour, though. And I'm like, Mm. yeah, that's how far I would walk to go to the convenience store in Hokkaido. I'm kind of used to it, you know? Like, (laughs) You have to walk Um, one hour to go to Seiko Mart? (laughs) Yeah, it was about one hour round trip to the closest one. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I did also have my car, so I could just drive if I wanted to. But a lot of times I'm like, oh, you know, I'll walk it. Nice. But... (sighs) The other issue with the scale is, um, and the timing of it all is road stations aren't 24-7 for the most part. Mm. So Michinueki, a lot of them, you know, it's they open at 9 or 10 and they're closed by 5, maybe 6 p.m. Mm. 
So it's like, yeah, I might have all the time in the day to drive around, but if I want to reach every road station and get the stamps, there's only so far I can go every day, which also definitely added into the time it took and the strategy, I guess, required to <laughs> get mm-hmm. them all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess you, you have seen a lot in Hokkaido, but like for anyone visiting Hokkaido, mm-hmm. which local food would you recommend? I would definitely say soup curry is something Mm. you shouldn't miss out on. Um, A lot of the foods that are very popular in Hokkaido are available elsewhere. Like Sapporo ramen is very, very famous. Mm. But you can get amazing ramen in most places in Japan, have some variation of very good ramen. But soup curry is pretty uniquely Hokkaido. And one of the reasons I recommend it so much is... It has a great blend of seasonal and local vegetables, usually, as well. Mm. So you kind of get to um, enjoy, like, the fresh produce or whatever's seasonal, um, which is really great. I love Mm. soup curry. My dream is to go to Hokkaido just to do a tour of soup curry restaurants. (laughs) Yes. Soup curry was actually very big anywhere in large town in Japan, like maybe 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like, you know, but for one year and mm-hmm. then just disappeared. But like any, like Yoshoku restaurant or like some, yeah, many restaurants just like serve soup curry for a while. And then it just disappeared like that. I don't know. You know, like the uh, uh, tapioca milk tea shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <it depends laughs> all about the Sometimes you don't know why it's Massive happening. trends and then they can drop off pretty quickly. Mm. Yeah. Um, can you share about what uh, soup curry is and how it's different from normal Japanese curry, like the standard sure. um, home home cooks curry? Yep. So soup curry is unique in that it's soup, <laughs> if that makes sense. Typical Japanese curry is made with uh, like a flour based roux, which is you know very thick and rich and hearty. Whereas soup curry is more of a broth base um, with the curry spices mixed in. And it has a lot more of a variety of what you put in it. Um, Standard Japanese curry, you know, it's usually potatoes, carrots, some kind of meat. And that's more or less it a lot of the time. Maybe some onions. Soup curry uh, can have those things, but it'll also usually have things like eggplant or bell pepper Dyke or uh, what is it, lotus root, mm. things like that, more seasonal vegetables and like a more colorful variety of them. And it's served alongside a bowl of rice where you actually just with a spoon, you like take your rice and you dip it in the soup curry and eat it that way. Mm. Um, as opposed to, you know, just mixing it all together and having your like thick curry on top of your rice. Yeah. And often different restaurants will have their own special spice blend and will have a lot of a lot of different Indian spices um, to make their particular secret recipe. Um, so it's fun to try that out as well. <clears throat> and yes. it really warms you up. And it's less heavy than the standard like roux-based kare. Um, so that's one of the other reasons I like mm-hmm. it. You feel good after you eat it too. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't feel <clears throat> like nearly as much of a like indulgence, I guess. Mm-hmm. Sorry, just speaking of this has reminded me of just two other Hokkaido food recommendations I would like Mm. to throw out there, if that's all right. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, the first one is probably the most famous and interestingly named Hokkaido cuisine is Genghis Khan. Mm. <laughs> Genghis Khan. Uh, named after everyone's favorite Mongolian warlord. Um, it is a dish of... It's basically yakiniku, but with lamb meat. Mm. Uh, or mutton, either or, served on a very unique uh, stove that's just, it's kind of domed. It's like a upside-down bowl, almost, where you just pile up the meat on this specific burner, as well as vegetables, um, cabbage, pumpkin, kabucha, that kind of stuff, mm. and just dip it in a bunch of sauces, and it is very, very, very good. Mm. Mm. Like yakiniku, but with lamb specifically right yep lamb specifically and um the cooking like the very unique mm-hmm. pan that you cook it in as well mm. uh, because very, uh, very there's a lot of lamb and sheep in hokkaido as well right so it's like the fresh meat local meat yep yeah it is and then the last one especially if anyone's interested in visiting road stations would be Ice cream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hokkaido has the best ice cream in Japan, hands mm. down. <laughs> and almost every road station will have, even if it's though they only offer just like your plain, typical vanilla soft serve ice cream, it'll probably be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there are plenty of places that do other things as well. Um, I've had strawberry, blueberry. Haskop, as I mentioned before, and some very out there ones, um, like lavender soft ice serve ice cream was one of my favorites. Yeah, lavender. Yes, it had a very like lightly herbal flavor, but it was also very sweet and just this beautiful lavender coloring as well. Mm. Because there's also a lot of lavender in Hokkaido, huh? It's another local lavender fields. Yep. Um, Ferrano is very famous. They have several massive, huge farms where they do lavender and uh, all kinds of beautiful flowers as well. But it's actually kind of all over the place. Um, Mm. Even driving up along the northern coast there, you'll just be like, oh, okay, there's just this massive field of lavender here. Nice. All right. Uh, 2024 Bento & Co. company trip to Hokkaido. I oh, think yeah. we have to do it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I remember when I was in Hokkaido, the soft serve ice cream was amazing. It was just like the dairy, there's like a, they use milk with higher fat content. So it just has this like luxurious mouthfeel, super creamy. And it wasn't like overly sweet. It was just mm, delicious. Yes, it is. And I've I've had actually friends who... um, They've, I guess, followed in my footsteps, but they won't do all the road stations. They're literally only going for the ice cream. They'll be like, oh, we're going to go on an ice cream tour. (laughs) This podcast is brought to you by Bento & Co. Based in beautiful Kyoto, Japan, Bento & Co. has been helping people around the world eat healthier, reduce their environmental impact, and save money with authentic Japanese bento boxes since 2008. Discover bento boxes, cookware, food, and more at en.bentoandco.com or click the link in our show notes and use code PODCAST for 10% off your first order. Okay, so shifting gears a little bit away from Hokkaido, um, you've been busy discovering new places to 
eat and drink here in Kyoto. So I wanted to hear from you, Chris, if any of your favorite recent finds, and then also um, Thomas and uh, I will also share some recent places that we've discovered. So Chris, you can sure. yeah, start things off. So my first one is, um, it's nothing fancy, <laughs> but I have recently very much been enjoying the chain restaurant Nakao. Oh. Um, it's just a place where you can get very simple rice bowl meals, um, katsudon, which is pork cutlet on rice, or oyakodon, uh, egg and chicken bowl. But it's very, very affordable, and it just reminds me just a little bit of being able to just go to Seiko Mart and get a cheap rice bowl for dinner on the way home. <laughs> oh, is Nakao a Kansai chain? I believe it's mostly a Kansai chain. There might be some stores in the really? Tokyo region. I Don't quote me on it. But oh, it could be. It's yeah. Kyoto food, actually. Mm. Oh yeah, I believe it's like there. I'm sure there's some in Tokyo region, but I'm pretty sure that's mainly a Kansai thing. Mm. Like it's definitely nothing I had in Hokkaido. Um, I see. I okay. see. And yeah, then, cheap, but yeah, filling and comforting food. Yeah, yeah, very handy, and it's also great if you're visiting Japan because they have um kind of the touch panel ordering system that you can switch to English. So even if you're not competent in Japanese, there's no barrier to entry there. The other one on the completely opposite end of the spectrum is I like fancy cocktail bars. <laughs> <laughs> and one of my more recent favorites is a place called Bee's Knees up mm -hmm. near Pontocho, which is a speakeasy style bar with just nice ambient lighting, always playing 90s hip hop, very, very friendly staff and bartenders, and just a amazing menu. Um, I remember the first time I went there, I was actually still living in Hokkaido. I had come down to travel. And I went in and I was just flipping through their menu book and I was like, oh my goodness, like almost all of these drinks feel like they're tailor made for the exact kind of things I like. <laughs> um, in particular, one thing that's always been on their menu that I love is the florist sour, which is a sour, but it's lavender based with lavender and gin. And it is just everything I love in a drink. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful to look at. It has, um, they use like an egg emulsion. So it's got that like, creamy like foam top on it with a flower accent um sweet and a little sour and not overly boozy but still definitely in there and it's just amazing oh well, you'll have to send us a picture and we'll share that on our mm. instagram <laughs> yeah so nakao first opened in 69 in ibarakishi in osaka prefecture so between osaka and kyoto Oh, okay. Oh, okay, so it is a Kansai. Oh. It's a Kyoto-style udon. Uh, it used to be a Kyoto-style udon store, but you've got a lot of don, rice don, buri, right? Uh, yeah. Uh -huh. Food right now. <laughs> so for anyone visiting, they can do the Chris 
culinary tour of Kyoto, go to Nakao first for dinner and then go to Bee's Knees for a nightcap, I guess. Yes, yes. The the (laughs) philosophy of it is you save so much on dinner that you don't feel bad about the drinks being a little more expensive. Mm. Great. All right, Thomas, how about Mm. you? What are some recent finds that you've been enjoying in Kyoto? So last week I went to the new eight floor Daimaru restaurant floor. So like in, in Kyoto, in the main street, like Shijo Street, you've got like the two main big department stores, it's Takashimaya and Daimaru. And they've actually both opened like this past days, week, uh, new floors, new shop. <clears throat> There's a Nintendo Kyoto store, finally, in Takashimaya. And both of these department stores open like new restaurants as well. And so I went to Daimaru last weekend. And um, they have six, eight new restaurants on the eighth floor. And and they all looks really nice. They really mm-hmm. put a lot of effort in the design of oh. this restaurant to, so you don't feel you are in a department store, but like in a, uh, especially for I went for the um, Unagi uh, restaurant, and um, and you really feel it's like you know in a small town. They they, they seems to use a lot of um, wood piece from old houses and. And just um, yeah, it was it was delicious. Mm. And um, in the, this department store, you can find so it's unagi, it's like tempura, steak, yakiniku, cafe, Italian restaurant, and we also have a very nice la ramen store called Nippon Ramen. Mm. And I think it's um, um chicken broth base ramen. Okay, so mm. need to try Sounds that nice. one as well. So usually people don't really often, I mean, if you visit Japan, maybe you don't think about going to department store, but actually department store are really, really awesome in Japan. First, you need to go to the basement store to see all the daily of uh, uh, cakes and fresh food. Yes, uh, just like Ayukari Sakamoto exactly. shared about, mm. uh, she does tours of the Depachika. Very important yeah. to visit department store. Uh, mm. B1, B2 floor. But usually on the top floor, six, seven, eight, they usually have some restaurants and um, you can find really good uh, restaurants. And usually they, they have some local um, part of the history city's restaurant opening uh, stores in, in this department store. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's worth visiting them. I'm just looking at the list of the new restaurants and the, yeah, the photos look really nice. It looks mm. like there's also like a outside terrace uh, deli and barbecue kind of like an izakaya yes. style it that seems you can rent a barbecue I don't know if it's open maybe it's just for like uh, spring and summer but they, mm. they had some barbecue set up there and I guess you can <clears throat> make your own yakiniku outside yes very nice yeah and this is very central location downtown Kyoto so this looks like a must must visit place. Mm. I want to check it out too. <clears throat> Great. How about you? Um, <laughs> yeah, for me. So one morning I woke up. It was a Saturday, and I was just really craving a hearty sandwich. Mm. And they can be a bit hard to find in Japan. You know, Kyoto is famous for their tamagoyaki sando, which is very delicate, uh, made with shokupan and you know, light and fluffy, and that's supposed to be really good too. Um, but I just wanted something that I could really tear into that was like hearty and full of delicious uh, different fillings. So I was Googling and then I came across this restaurant called 120 Grams Banh Mi. 
Mm. So I was like, oh, banh mi, that would be right up my alley, what I'm craving right now. So I went and it really hit the spot. Oh my goodness, it was so good. And they opened up in 2021, so it's relatively newer. Um, it's in the Jingu Marutamachi walk within walking distance of that station, uh, kind of near the Ritz Carlton Kyoto uh, along the river. Um, they don't have seating areas, so you need to get it to go, but it's perfect for grabbing um, a drink and uh, ban me there and then just uh, going to sit by the river, which is really close by the Kamogawa and enjoying it uh, outside. Um, but what's unique about them, you know, the reason why I'm recommending it is because they put a Kyoto twist on the banh mi. Um, well, first of all, they get all their vegetables from Ohara, which is um, an area just outside Kyoto City. A lot of organic farms, and it's where many of the restaurants in Kyoto will get their vegetables. So just like super fresh, delicious organic veggies. And then they make their own pate and ham, uh, which is really good. And they also add some Kyoto-style pickles, like shibazuke, mm. um, oh, nice. which is can be green or like a, the vivid pink color from shiso. Um, so it's like very herby uh, flavors. And they make everything in-house too, like additive-free, organic. So it just tastes really fresh and like woke up all my senses, I feel like, because you have the uh, quite a bit of spiciness, a um, lot of freshness from the herbs and vegetables. And their baguette, they also make in-house too, mm -hmm. really nice and crunchy crisp exterior so i'm already craving another one so i'm gonna go <laughs> soon to, to get one they recommend also calling in advance or okay. maybe you could try dming them um just because that's efficient way to you can order in advance and then just pick it up right away so that's my recent obsession <laughs> <laughs> yeah it looks delicious <laughs> all right well we have one more question for you, Chris. Yes. <laughs> yes. So Chris, selling bento boxes, but do you eat bento? What's your dream, bento? So I do eat bento, but not as much bento that I've made myself as like Eki Ben. <laughs> <laughs> um, or just bento when I'm traveling. Mm. But I would have to say my dream bento is 100%. I might have left Akeshi, but my dream bento will always have fried oysters. Okay. Ooh. Ooh. Yes. Um, so kaki, I would say... Kaki yeah, kaki fry. Um, my dream bento would most would definitely be probably, you know, kaki fry, some nice rice, pickles. I love the pickles you get in Japan. Um, and some local veggies, whatever's in season. I like seasonal veggies a lot. I don't know if it would work for dessert, but Hokkaido ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> you need to find a Seiko Mart in Kyoto. Yes, I, I do. Just know. The closest ones is Ibaraki or Saitama. <laughs> so it's a bit uh, far. I mean, well, for somebody living in Hokkaido, that's honestly, that's fairly close. Okay. I've driven further for less. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what? They have an online store and it seems very cheap. Some frozen food, I guess. 
Oh, yeah. Probably not the onigiri, but... (laughs) (laughs) Great. Anything else you wanted to add before we wrap up? I don't believe so. Just that, like Julian mentioned earlier, I will be taking over for her as the co-host for the Japanese Food Podcast in the future. So, yoroshiku onegaishimasu. And I'm looking forward to it and will hopefully do my best. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, we're we're grateful that you could join us, Chris, and you're yeah, a great addition to the team already. So, yeah, looking forward to what's ahead. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Japanese Food. This podcast is brought to you by Bento & Co. and is produced by Julianne Picardle and Thomas Bertrand. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. To stay up to date with the podcast, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Japanese Food Pod. 